Some of you may be familiar with the writings of Tim Keller, and he has written these words. If you're trying to live a life in accordance with the Bible, the concept and call to justice are inescapable. This morning we continue a series of sermons from the minor prophet Micah. And to this point in our study, we have said the message of Micah is primarily concerned with divine judgment against sin, or, as I have titled this series, an ancient ethical word for a modern unethical world. And through our first two lessons, I would suggest that we have primarily learned four things. Number one, for Micah, spiritual renewal begins with putting an end to one's unjust treatment of others. Number two, restoration or this renewal comes through rebuke. Number three, proclaiming truth as Micah did among God's people can affect change. And when People listen and repent, judgment can be averted. And so we continue this morning our uh, study of Micah, and I'd like to ask you to please turn to Micah chapter 3. And in chapter 3, we will find three oracles, each one denouncing key leaders among God's people. And we're going to see in just a moment that one of the key words in chapter 3 that we are introduced to for the very first time in Micah is the word justice. This Hebrew word occurs over 400 times in the Old Testament. Micah uses it five times in his book, three times in chapter 3. Three, And we're not going to say a lot about this word this morning. We're going to save that for Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, the Micah mandate, when Micah will use this word once again. But its most basic meaning is to treat people equitably, fairly, keeping the other person's interest first in our minds. It is a concern about the most vulnerable, poor, and marginalized members of our society and a commitment to serve their interest, needs, and cause. It is a word that is certainly important as we think about uh, the third prong of our vision of restoring all things. To restore all things is to help people get a little taste of heaven upon earth. And for those of us who have expressed our uh, faith in Jesus and have been baptized into his name and now belong to him, we have experienced heaven. And so for us, heaven is not just something that we are going to But heaven is something that we are to take forth into our lives. And when we take heaven forth, it is an attempt to help people 
also experience a little bit of heaven on earth. And that involves justice and treating people fairly and demonstrating in our lives the love of God. So let's look now at uh, Micah chapter 3. And again, three oracles addressed to three groups of people, leadership types that uh, were among God's people during these days. And we'll notice that uh, three things in each of these oracles. Number one, uh, Michael will identify the group to whom he is addressing. He will then uh, charge against them the sin they are committing in their lives, and then he will offer words of judgment from God. And so he begins in chapter uh, 3 and verse 1 by denouncing the judicial leaders for their lack of responsibility. So the first oracle is judgment against the courts. The leaders or heads that he refers to are officers in the national courts. The synonym rulers emphasizes uh, the responsibility these leaders have. And what's kind of interesting to me, the powerful words that he used, words of judgment, he metaphorically refers to these leaders as cannibals because of their unethical oppression and moral cruelty. Here's what he says. Listen, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel. Should you not embrace justice? You who hate good and love evil, who tear the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones, who eat my people's flesh, strip off their skin and break their bones in pieces, who chop them up like meat for the pan, like flesh for the pot. Then they will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. At that time, he will hide his face from him, from them because of the evil that they have done. And so chapter 3 begins with this oracle of judgment against the courts. It then continues in verse 5 as Micah addresses his peers and challenges with words of judgment against the prophet, prophets. He addresses his colleagues, we might say. They have misled the people by misrepresenting God. This is what the Lord says. As for the prophets who lead my people astray, they proclaim peace if they have something to eat but prepare to wage war against anyone who refuses to feed them. Therefore, and hear the words of judgment, night will come over you without visions, and darkness without divination. The sun will set for the prophets, and the day will go dark for them. The seers will be ashamed, and the diviners disgraced, for, the, for all will cover their faces, because there is no answer from God." So Micah continues uh, to paint a pretty broad picture. These oracles, these words of judgment from God against, first of all, the leaders in the court system, the judges of Israel among God's people, and now the prophets. 
But the oracle concludes in chapter 3 with judgment against what we might call the establishment. Micah's third attack is like his first in chapter 3, but now is much wider or broader than before. It encompasses all positions of authority and influence. Let's pick up again at verse 9. Hear this, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel, who despise, again, justice and distort all that is right who build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with wickedness. Her leaders judge for a bribe, her priests teach for a price, and her prophets tell fortunes for money. Yet they look for the Lord's support and say, Is not the Lord among us? No disaster will come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion will be plowed like a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of rubble. The temple uh, hill, a mound overgrown with thickets. So here in chapter 3, God's words of judgment continues with three groups of leaders. Uh, The courts, the judges who oversaw God's people. Judgment against the prophets who were commissioned to speak forth God's word uh, to his people. And then finally, judgment against the establishment. Just a very broad, sweeping oracle to those in positions of authority and influence. This morning as we reflect upon uh, chapter 3, I want to offer three points of, or excuse me, four points of application to our own lives. Again, that is the beauty of studying the minor prophets. Even though they were written two to three thousand years ago, how relevant God's message remains for us uh, today. So lesson number one, when God says be holy, he really means it. Now, you don't find the word holy anywhere in Micah chapter 3. But certainly the concept of being holy because God himself is holy is a theme that runs all the way through not just Micah, but all the prophetic literature. And we think about primarily the book of Leviticus, which is sometimes referred to as God's holiness code. In a a text like Leviticus 19, where over and over, uh, God through Moses tells his people to be holy. To be holy is to be distinct. To be holy is to be set aside for a particular purpose. And as God's people, we are to be distinct. We are to be unique. And when God says for us to be holy, he is serious about it. He really means it. And particularly those among us who are leadership types, who are in possession uh, or in positions of affluence and influence. And we're going to see here in just a minute, it really doesn't matter where we might think we are, we have influence over someone. And to be very serious about holiness, to be what Jesus declares us to be in Matthew 5, the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So number two, injustice occurs through the abuse of power. Go back to chapter 1 for just a moment. 
The oracle begins with a very long sentence, which is actually in the form of a question. And Micah asks this question in a rhetorical nature. I mean, they know the answer to it. He, he doesn't really even have to ask it as he confronts them with their injustice. But again, the NIV reads, You leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel, should you not embrace justice? Here's the way Robert Alter translates this first phrase of Micah 3 in verse 1 uh, in his translation. Is it not yours to know what is right? John Golden Gay, in his most recent translation, puts it this way. It's, it's for you to know how to exercise authority, isn't it? And of course, the answer is yes. And as God's people, we should know the difference between right and wrong. And what is an abuse of power and what is not in the classroom, or on the playground. We call it bullying. In the spirit of competition, we call it running up the score unnecessarily. In economics, we call it the rich taking advantage of the poor. In politics, we call it those who are in positions of authority taking advantage of those who are not. And so the question is asked of us today. It's for you to know how to exercise authority, isn't it? And of course, the answer is yes, which brings us to number three. So don't use your rank to the detriment of others. And I alluded to this just, just a moment ago. As, as we used to say in Oklahoma, it really doesn't matter where you are on the totem pole. There is somebody either above you or below you. And you may think you're way down here and you have no influence or authority over anyone. And yet, we do. Maybe the best way to illustrate this is to reflect upon the old Zig Ziglar story. Anybody remember Zig Ziglar? And remember his little motivational book, See You at the Top. You, you can actually YouTube uh, Zig Ziglar telling this story. It's about eight minutes long. I'm just going to summarize. But he tells the story in the book. And the story goes something like this. The CEO, his alarm doesn't go off in the morning. And so he is late to work, and so he's speeding to the office. He's late for a board meeting, and of course, he gets pulled over and gets a traffic ticket. So you can imagine what mood he is in when he finally arrives at the office for that board meeting. And so as he's going into this meeting, his assistant vice president has not made enough copies for the board member, just a slight fix, an easy fix, but he takes it out on this assistant vice president. Well, so he goes to his secretary and takes it out on her. And now she is busy uh, making extra copies to supply to this board meeting. 
And so she is in a bad mood the rest of the day. She goes home. She's trying to cook supper for her husband and her family. Her little boy comes in trying to help in the kitchen, knocks over a cup of flour. Well, she then takes it out on him, and he gets upset. And as he's walking out the door to try to escape all this madness, the cat comes walking by, and he kicks the cat. And so Ziegler says, you know, who kicked your cat today? And he goes on to make the point, if the CEO had just gone over to the secretary's house and kicked the cat, everything would have been fine. You know, the point being, we all are in a position to take advantage of someone else. And so don't use that rank to the detriment of other people. Because we are all, first of all, one in Christ, and we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Or as my dad would say, we all put our pants on one leg at a time. And so we are all equal. We are playing on a level field. And so taking this, this challenge of treating people equitably, fairly, rightly, experiencing or extending justice to all we come in contact with. So we come to number four. Does any, anyone, let's go back to 1992. Can anyone uh, help me finish this little uh, ad? Sometimes I dream that he is me. You've got to see that's how I dream to be. I dream I move. I dream I groove like Come on, Clint and Clay Spencer. Mike. I gotta be like Mike. Remember that? YouTube it this afternoon. Michael Jordan. And in, in, in the context of playing basketball, uh, really even to today. I mean, you want to be like Mike. But when it comes to justice, when it comes to holiness, let's not be like Mike. Let's be like Micah. Go back to chapter 3 and verse 8. Anybody notice I skipped that verse? There was a reason for it. Here's what Micah says. At the conclusion of his oracle against his peers, his colleagues, the prophets. But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression, to Israel his sin. I love this phrase, but as for me, at least in the NIV, you find this phrase about eight or nine times in the Old Testament. Probably the most uh, famous or well-known is Joshua 24 and verse 15 where Joshua, as he is approaching the end of his life, uh, he has led Israel into the promised land. And everyone has received his inheritance. And one last time, he calls all of Israel together, and he says this, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve 
whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but as for me in my household, we will serve the Lord. Psalm 55 and verse 23, but you, God, will bring down the wicked into the pit of decay. The bloodthirsty and deceitful will not live out half their days. But as for me, I trust in you. Psalm 69 verse 29, But as for me, afflicted and in pain, may your salvation, God, protect me. Psalm 70 and verse 5, But as for me, I am poor and needy. Come quickly to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. Lord, do not delay. And finally, Psalm 73 and verse 28. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. We have the same spirit living within us who also lived within the minor prophet Micah. Which is why I read this morning uh, after we began our worship today, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. For this reason, again, Paul writing to Timothy, I remind you to fan... Uh, into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. There are maybe two or three times in the two letters that we have in the New Testament that are from Paul to Timothy where he seems to suggest that Timothy occasionally may have been a little cowardly, maybe a little fearful, maybe not willing to step out and to step up and to confront injustice or false prophets or those who were abusing their power or influence. And so Paul reminds him of the Spirit living within him, that this Spirit provides power. And the point has been made, that word translated power is our word dynamite, explosive kind of power, love, agape, self-discipline. And so I would suggest that those three uh, ideas... Uh, we, we might could, could summarize as courage, compassion, and conviction. One of the things that I, I pray for every Sunday morning before I step into this pulpit are for those three things. To be able to speak God's word courageously, but to speak it in a tone and with a heart of compassion, and also with conviction. Micah proclaimed God's word with those three things. He lived out in his life through the spirit of God those three things. And in this unethical world in which we live, where there 
we're just overwhelmed by the injustice and the need in our society and culture. And we, we might be tempted to just simply kind of give up from time to time. But to remember that we, too, must boldly go forth with courage, with compassion, and with conviction, being willing to stand up against injustice, if need be. And so, this morning, I would challenge us all to stoke the fire. That's what it means to rekindle the flame. To, to just be on blaze again. We're, we're roasting wieners and s'mores tonight at the Youth Devotional. And so, uh, I, I, think, I think in the bulletin, I think Jared said the group's going to leave here about 445. So that means about 3 o'clock I'll start to work on getting a fire built and fire pit. Because it'll take me that long. Particularly if it's a little damp. But the cool thing about a fire is, is stoking it. You know, I got a poker out by my fire pit. And when the flame needs to be rekindled, you poke it. You stoke it. You rekindle it. You put another log on the fire, as Willie used to sing. And, and, and the, the blaze, it, it, it flames up again. And, and we need to be stoked occasionally. And we need to be reminded occasionally, that we too possess the Spirit of God. And I think somewhere in 1 John he says, the Spirit who lives within us is greater than the Spirit of this world. Anybody remember that? Chapter 4 of 1 John. And, and so let's stoke each other. Let's poke each other. Let's rekindle the flame that is to be within us. And let's go forth as people of justice who are willing to treat people fairly and equitably and to not take advantage of the disadvantage, but to speak up on their behalf. And if they are hungry, give them something to eat. And if they are cold, put a coat on their back. If they need shoot, whatever. How many, how many of you, now don't publicly raise your hand because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but anybody give anything away this past week? That, that's practicing justice. And so I, I, have, I have made myself, you know, I'm the preacher, I'm supposed to remember all the points I make, but I, I don't always, okay? So I've made myself a little sticky note and it's on my laptop, give something away. And I'm determined to do that every week. As, as we have opportunity to serve this community and beyond. So, stoke the fire. Go poke somebody, but remember, they have permission to poke you back. And, and, and let's just rekindle that flame in all of us. All of us. And let's take God at his word. And, and when he says that we're immersed into the name of Jesus, he gives us the spirit of God. And that that spirit is more powerful than any spirit of this world.
And so we can go forth with courage, compassion, and conviction. Let's stand and sing.